It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to Hitting Hard with John Chuck right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, Tony Ressler spoke, but did he say anything? Hawks are flirting with must-win territory. And does UGA have a culture problem? We'll talk about it next. John Chuckry, Hitting Hard on Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. We ask you to head over to youtube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your search browser. When you get there, hit that subscribe button, leave us a comment. We are free and available to download on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify, Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your favorites. We can also be found on Roku and Amazon Fire. Yes, we are available on those platforms as well. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Well, Tony Ressler, the Hawks owner, was doing the media rounds, and he spoke to Jeff Schultz of The Athletic. He spoke to Lauren Williams, the beat writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. He spoke with the afternoon show on our radio program. He was speaking all around. Spoke to Woj, spoke to everybody, okay? But did he say anything? Now, I'm going to read you one quote because this is this kind of sums up a lot of where the direction of these conversations go. Lauren Williams asked him the question, how much of a voice does your son Nick have in some of the decision-making of the organization and running some of the basketball operations? This is what Tony said in his answer. Quote, I fully acknowledge for whatever it's worth that my son, who I'm so proud of doing a great job, has a voice in the organization. By no means does he make any of these decisions. Again, when I don't give an interview about what happened, it seems people create things that I'm trying to put those to bed. So the simple answer is Nick works in the basketball organization, helps me in both the business and basketball operations, help me understand the goings on of the organization, if you will, helps me evaluate what we're doing. Okay, did anybody understand any of that? Did, did he say he's got a voice, but he doesn't decision make? He's part of the organization, but what does he really do? And that was a lot of what Tony Ressler had to say. So we don't know what Nick Ressler's role is, although he is listed as the vice president of basketball operations. What does that mean? Define his specific role. Well, he he organizes and he helps and he does this. Okay. And then everything that he had to say. And, and I and, and when I heard the interview on our afternoon show on the radio and I read some of these comments, I can tell you that he was very guarded in the responses that he gave. He was very protective of what he had to say. Right. So one of the other things that he brought up was. Everything is collaborative now. It's more communicative. Okay, what does all of that mean? Because he said the thing about Landry Fields is that, oh, well, we have much more collaboration in the organization. We're much more communicative. Okay, does that mean Tony Ressler is in on the discussions? 
But at the same time, then he says, oh, no, Landry Fields helps with, you know, he's the decision maker. Okay, I, I understand that Landry Fields isn't asking Tony Ressler who we should take as a backup point guard. Okay, I understand that. Now, the other big takeaway that Tony Ressler had to say, and I'll use the example from um, from the interview with the uh, with the AJC is, the idea of what the luxury tax is. And Lauren Williams asked him the question, when it comes to the idea of the luxury tax and the reported mandate that there may have been moves needed to be made to keep you guys under the luxury tax, where do you stand with that? Quote, it's a made up comment. All right. So I want to be clear. We've said this so many times and I'll say it yet again. We have no fear of the luxury tax. We're not worried about the luxury tax. We go into the luxury tax. Do I think it's a good idea to be incredibly average and in the luxury tax? I'd rather not. I'd rather be contending in the luxury tax or be a great team in the luxury tax. But at the end of the day, I've never suggested a trade to get out of the luxury tax ever. Whoever said that will, uh, will be giving you an untruth directly, indirectly, intentionally, unintentionally. Never said it, never will. Okay, so... Do I think that Tony Ressler said, we've got to trade Kevin Herter so we get under the luxury tax? No, but I do think Tony Ressler has mandated the idea of, are we going to be a team in the luxury tax? It is way too convenient that the Hawks in their dealings, number one, when they traded Kevin Herter, finished at $1.9 million under the luxury tax. By that move alone, with what they brought back and what they gave up, $1.9 million on the luxury tax. And then the other part of the trade deadline, yes, we got Sadiq Bey and we got a couple other players, but they also freed up some cash so that they had even more of a gap between the luxury tax and where the payroll is. So in some ways, you could say that they, yes, while we got some players back, they slashed some salary for it all. Do I think it was, hey, you need to trade Kevin Herter so we'll be under the luxury tax? No. But do I think that there was a mandate first presented to Travis Schlenk and then to Landry Fields of, hey, I don't want to be an average team going into the luxury tax? Because what are the Hawks right now? Let me see. They are, oh, yeah, average. And and he said at, when he made those comments at the end of the year that they would go in the luxury tax if it made sense. Well, does it make sense right now to be a luxury tax team when, when you're, you know, 500 team and you're coming off a law? I mean, no, but again, it's, it's all semantics with, with some of this stuff, you know, well, Nick wrestler is helping in the organization. Well, what does he do? Like, okay. When he gets to work, does he order breakfast? You know, is he taking orders for lunch? Does he say, Hey, how about that game last night? I mean, what, what exactly does he do? And do I think that, again, is Tony Russell calling up, you know, um, uh, Landry Field and saying, hey, um, Landry, you should be looking at this backup point guard for the New Orleans Pelicans. I think he's a really good player. What? Uh, what? Or, or, or is he saying that, hey, Travis, yeah, listen, um, we need to get rid of Kevin Herter, not because we don't like him, but because he makes us luxury tax below the luxury tax line. Do I think those conversations are happening? No. But the top is mandated. 
you know, where do we want to be as an organization? Hey, if it makes sense, we'll get in the luxury. Hey, and he's been all hyped up about that. When has it made sense? And I think that that's a big reason why Travis Schlenk is not here anymore. So, you know, and I read, I heard the interview with our, our afternoon show. I read the uh, entire article from Lauren Williams. Uh, I read the comments to Woj and stuff like that. And they all say the same thing. Oh, well, we're, we're more collaborative now. We're more communicative now. Well, what does all that mean? You know, again, if Landry Fields is the president of basketball operations and he's got all the final say, then what do you have to communicate for? If there's one guy in charge of what we do from the basketball side, what do you have to communicate with everybody else for? What, what do you got to what do you got to communicate with the owner and the owner's son and this person and that person? What do you got to do all that for? If there's one voice and, and there's one guy in charge, what do you need everybody else for? And I think that's the thing with Travis Schlenk is that, look, I'm the basketball guy. I'm the operations guy. I handle all of this stuff. What do I need to talk to you guys for? But that makes me feel like Tony Ressler has to be more involved. You don't talk about collaboration and communication and all these things. Like what's there to communicate? I'm in charge of basketball. You're in charge of everything else, in charge of payroll and this, that, and the other. So did Tony Ressler really say anything in his interviews? No. Do I have, do I still have more questions than I do answers? Yes. Maybe his goal was the Roddy Piper thing. Just when you think you have the answers, I change the questions. All right, let's talk about our friends over at uh, FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sports book. And listen, as we're headed toward NBA playoff season, it's a great time to sign up for FanDuel. You can claim your no-sweat first bet on FanDuel when, when you make your first bet and it doesn't win. You can get as much as $1,000 in bonus bets. Just simply download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Safe, secure, easy to use. You can bet on everything from money lines to props, everything in between. Go to FanDuel.com today. And even when you make some bets, you can combine them for a chance at bigger bets with the same game parlay. Go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and claim your no-sweat first bet where you can get as much as $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook betting partner of the NBA. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. So, unfortunately for the Atlanta Hawks, we are in a mode where we're inching very closely to must-win territory. Now, again, a microcosm of one game and the scope of 82 and things like that. But if the Hawks lose tonight and they're back in Miami, so good job on Friday. They won. We kind of predicted all that. I, I thought that Portland coming east and all that good stuff. That would result in a loss. Really good win. DeJounte Murray was outstanding. Had 
the game of his life. He scored his most points in his career with 41 points. And then they come back the next night. They're down in Miami. I know the plane didn't land till 2.30, blah, blah, blah. That's all excuses, okay? Because Murray and Trey Young were not good. And while Murray was 5 for 5 from 3 on Friday, he was 0 for 5 from 3 on Saturday. So they dropped one. And again, they made that game sort of close, but they were never in that game. John Collins only played 16 minutes in the game. The bench is shortening. We got a lot of things to figure out. But again, as we said, you know, the Toronto Raptors are only a half game behind the Atlanta Hawks. And while, yeah, Friday night was was really good and going into Saturday, hey, listen, if we win on Saturday, we can move up to the seven seed. Well, guess what? If you lose tonight and Toronto wins, you're going down to the nine seed. So. Again, the season is for this year, you know, it's, it's, you got to think about it sort of in a microcosm. Clint Capella, others said, Hey, we want to try to get up to number six in this, any other. Hey, we had two really good days of practice and things like that. But we talked about this last week. Everything is working against the Atlanta Hawks. They're now two and seven in back to backs. Well, guess what happens at the end of the week? They're in Washington on Friday and then they come home to play, oh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, the Celtics. Oh, yeah, are they any good? So now you got another back-to-back, which you're two and seven in back-to-back games. You're on the road again. And we talked about this last week. Hey, listen, one and three, oh, and four ain't going to cut it. Well, you're very much in danger of dropping to oh, and two on this road trip. And the fact is Miami's got your number. We can spin all these different things and this, that, and the other. Miami's got the Hawks number. They know how to defend their backcourt. And we talked about this, you know, last week and and weeks. This backcourt has to lead the way. I can't count on John Collins. I can't count on DeAndre Hunter. I can't count on Clint Capella or Bogey or Sadiq Bey to really step up and win us a game right now. But I can count on my backcourt because my backcourt is going to dictate how and what and why and everything happens with this team. Like that or not, this is a very backcourt-driven team. And it's what we wanted, and it's what we expected when we went into the season. Hey, Trey and DeJounte, they're they're the the, the alpha males of this team. They can coexist if they work together and this, that, and the other. And listen, they were outstanding the other night, right? DeJounte on Friday, 41 points. Trey Young was outstanding. It all came together. And they did what they had to do, and they pretty much controlled that entire game against Portland. And then you come back, and I know it was late and all this, any other, but still, it's the way the schedule is. And I understand that the schedule makers have done the Hawks no favors right now with games on the road, four games in in two cities on the road, two back-to-backs within a week of one. I get all that. But if you don't, if you start, fumbling this thing all around, you're going to get in a mode where you're going to have to start winning some games. You're going to have to get out of your comfort zone of winning. You're going to have to beat Miami. You're going to have to go on the road and beat Washington. You're going to have to win in a back-to-back scenario. All the things that the Hawks have not done very well over the course of this year and even last year are going to have to start happening. Or the result is, I don't know what your season is. You know, 
And again, it'll give more ammunition to the idea of we shouldn't have been a luxury tax team. We're not very good. This, that, and the other. I, it feeds into that narrative. So Hawks better think about, you know, trying to at least get a win tonight. Okay. Find a way to win. It's not been a very easy thing to do in Miami. Certainly Miami has had your number. Certainly they've played really good defense against the Atlanta Hawks. But you better find a way to win tonight. Because if you drop tonight's game, you got to win the two in Washington. Not one, two in Washington. And then you need to figure out a way to regroup come Saturday and, and, and start. And by the way, the Celtics have lost a little bit here recently, right? The Nets beat them the other night. The Knicks beat them uh, last night, I think it was. You know, so they've been able to get tripped up a little bit. Now they're game and a half uh, behind um, the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. So you're going to have to start handling your business. But we're treading very, very closely to where we're getting into must-win mode. And right now for the Atlanta Hawks, they don't need to be in any kind of must-win mode. I'm saying forget the sixth seed for now. Just try to win as many games you possibly can, and we'll let the chips fall where they do. Maybe Brooklyn's not so bad. Boston's kind of stubbed their toe a little bit. Maybe Cleveland stubs their toe. Miami, if we can get over that hump. Washington's nipping on our heels. At least we don't play the Raptors, who are half a game behind us. So all of the things that we talked about last week in this in this schedule, it's if, if you lose tonight, then I'm telling you, you get in a must-win mode and you're going to have to rattle off some wins or this season is going to be lost. And I don't consider the 9 or 10 seed to be successful in any stretch of the imagination. You know, maybe if you can get to 6 or 7 in your seeding, maybe it salvages itself where you only have to play one play-in game. If you win the 7-8 seed play-in game, then you advance to the first round. But if this team is sitting in 9 or 10, that's a disaster right now. That that's that's not where the Hawks want to be, and this season has been everything but a, you know, but anything but anything successful. It's been a failure at this point. All right, let's talk about our friends over at Built Bar. Listen, Built.com is the place to go as everybody is trying to get healthier. You're eating better for the new year, and you're looking for those low calorie, low sugar, low carb snacks, right? But you want all the protein that goes along with it. Well. Built Bar has got you covered. They've got all the great flavors. They're coming out with new flavors every month. Now, though, besides going to Built.com, you can head over to Walmart, go in the pharmacy section, grab you a box of Built Bars, or you can go to Sam's Club and get you a box of Built Bars. So whether you want to go the brick-and-mortar route or you want to go online and shop, whatever makes you more comfortable, everything is available to you at either Built.com or Walmart and Sam's Club. So. Grab your box of Built Bars today, whether you try the marshmallow uh, puffs, whether you try the traditional Built Bars, get them, pick them up either at Sam's Club, Walmart, or go online to Built.com today. So does UGA have a culture problem? So Kirby Smart did an interview with Mark Schleybaum uh, on Friday and, and talked to him. And here's what Kirby Smart had to say about all of this. Absolutely not. I would say we're far from it. When you talk to people outside of the program that come into it, they talk about what a great culture we do have. 
And we do an incredible job because I've got a lot of outside entities that come into our program and pour into these young men. Do we have perfect young men and women and players? Not necessarily, but I promise you this, that's the intent for us to grow these guys and get them better. And I feel good about the culture within our program. So I'll ask the question, do I think that, do I think that personally that, that Kirby smart has a culture problem? I don't think that he does. And I don't dispute what, what he says, but there is, you know, when you get to the top of the mountain and the pecking order, right. You know, one of the things that the, um, Buffalo Bills always said, Thurman Thomas talked about this, is that if we had if we had lost, or, or I should say, if we had won the Super Bowl the first time that they were in against the Buffalo Bills or, or um, uh, the New York Giants, I should say, when, when they had that first Super Bowl, Thurman Thomas said that if we hadn't, hadn't lost that game, we might not have had the drive to get back, suffering from fat cat syndrome and stuff like that, okay? Do I think that there's a little bit of that that goes on within Georgia? Having two one national having won two national championships and you're dealing with guys that are very young, a young age, right? I mean, Stetson's 25 and he's the senior member of the group. You're talking about 20, 22, you know, 21, 22 year old kids at, at max. Do I think that they have a little bit of fat cat syndrome and they think that they are the big guys on campus? Yeah. And, and that's natural. That's where Kirby Smart has to kind of reel some things in and tighten up the reins on some things. And do I think that Kirby Smart let things get a little bit lax and a little bit loose and things like that? Yes. You know, obviously, NIL is a whole different breed. You know, the car that Jalen Carter was driving on the night of the accident when he was, you know, street racing, that was through an NIL deal. That was through a luxury car company up in Ohio somewhere. So it wasn't even like Atlanta, metro area, or anything like that, or Athens or whatever like that. It was from a dealership up in Ohio that deals in luxury cars and had an NIL deal with Jalen Carter. So there are a lot of factors that are at play here. At their core, I don't think Georgia is a fundamentally flawed program. I don't think they have a bad culture. They don't have guys running but there is those moments where, and it was sort of the, the perfect storm, where there were a lot of things happening all at one time, that there were a lot of different forces at play here. And unfortunately, it resulted in loss of life, took it to the nth extreme. And not faulting Kirby, not, not faulting Jalen Carter, but certainly that there was a certainly that there was a situation that how do I want to say that you know it 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 played into the idea of these guys thinking that they were probably more than what they were you know Jalen Carter's got his NIL deal he's out street racing you know unfortunately a devastating situation happens a couple of people lost their life in all of this including one of his teammates and Jalen Carter had been pulled over previously for doing 89 and a 45. So I don't think that the culture is inherently bad within Georgia, but there are things that have to be tightened up and things that have to be reeled in. And that happens when you've had as much success as Georgia has. I think that that's kind of a byproduct of it. And maybe sometimes you sort of 
don't think about it or just kind of gloss over the idea of where the program is at. Hey, we're, we're fighting, scratching, clawing, we're recruiting and this and that, but guys start to think that they're a little bit bigger than what they are. And, you know, we saw over the weekend, Georgia's balling out at the combine, right? Nolan Smith is doing his thing. Keely Ringo, Broderick Jones, right? Coming off of last year's combine. They have all the best players. They're the best program. You know, they, they have the best coach in the country. All of these things are coming together that has lifted Georgia up to the, the top of the mountain. And they're at the best place that they've ever been in the history of their program. And this is the, the heady times. It's natural to kind of feel that way. But sometimes you have to bring guys back down and say, look, okay, this we've had all the success and things like that. But let's not let all these other outside factors creep into the way we are, the way we're going to operate. So I don't think Kirby has a problem within the program. I don't think that there, I don't think that there is an inherent culture issue within. I don't think Kirby Smart has bad guys in the program of all the players that are within a football program. Are there some bad people? Yes. Do I think Jalen Carter is an inherently bad person? No. No, I, I don't think that he is. I don't think that he is bringing in people that are inherently bad just because they can play football. You know, I, I, I do think that I do think that you get guys in that could obviously play football at a really high level. And sometimes their proclivities, you know, start to kind of broaden, but I, I, I don't worry so much about where this program is. Do I think that Kirby smart needs to have some talks with some different people? Yeah. I, I do think that he needs to, communicate some things that, Hey, this is what we're not going to, this is not the things we're going to tolerate. This is, this is, and again, unfortunately it had to all just kind of bubble over to where it was a perfect storm. And a couple of people lost their lives within all of this. And that's the tragedy of everything like that. But Georgia by and large, I don't think that they have a real problem within their program. I don't think that they are, you know, low life people or anything like that. I think Kirby, though, needs to tighten up the message and make sure that everybody's on the same page with what is acceptable and what is not acceptable within the program. All right, well, thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuck for your first listen every day. Make sure you make Locked On Sports today your second listen, biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available Spotify, Odyssey, YouTube, wherever you get all of your favorite podcasts from. We ask you to head over to YouTube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your search browser. When you get there, hit that subscribe button as we're climbing towards 6,000 folks. So be a part of our ever-growing community. Leave us a comment. We are free and available to download on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify, Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your favorites. Download us for free today. Roku and Amazon Fire are two additional ways that you can check out all of our great content. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page, at JMCH316. Back with you tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.